Hello, you're listening to the Leadership Woman podcast with me, Jill Savile. My guest today is Orsalia Comaras. And now it would be great if you actually say, how do you say your name? Well, it's it's a Hungarian name, so it's Komorash or Shoya. But as I've been living in Luxembourg for almost 15 years, people call me Orsalia. So I let them call me Orsalia. The easier, the better. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And be, before we started, we just had a, a bit of a, a laugh because you said you translated your name and it comes out as <laughs> Ursula Chamberlain. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I heard many, many versions like, well, that, that name sounds a bit weird, um, but you could definitely go for an actress career in the US with that name. <laughs> so Ursula Chamberlain, let's, uh, let's talk about you and your life. And we met recently because you are the... I am the sales and PR officer of Jinko Solutions. It's a business center. So the reason we met because I was also the member of for the event organized. We organized together the the BCC event in our brand new center, the city in Limpasbeg, and that was really a pleasure to to meet you there and to be here today. Yes, uh, it was a really good event. I've not seen that space before, so thank you for introducing me to this space. And as you say, we just. We just got chatting, didn't we, at the British Chamber event? And I realised <laughs> that you had had quite a varied life and you would be perfect for the Leadership Woman podcast. Tell me a little bit about your family and your schooling, because uh, I'm trying to get a feel of how did you come to be you? I come from the countryside, from a small town where my mom is a uh, professor and my father worked as a uh, constructor. Mm-hmm. everyone knows everyone in a countryside so uh, that's the that's just the, the the core of the gossip especially if you are the daughter of the professor so high expectations thank you um yeah actually i i finished my my um, studies till the end of the high school in my hometown which was great because i didn't want to be one of those kids who went to to uh another town like 100 150 kilometers away from home at the age of 14, I found it too early, um, and my mom as well. So I, I'm happy that she, she made that decision, or well, my parents made that decision. I have a sister. Her name is Priscilla, if you really want to go on with the translation, <laughs> but pronounced Piroshka. Um, I am the younger one. I have to say that my life was a little bit easier than hers because um, I was a rebel in the family. So first child, even bigger expectations. So... So you were the second daughter, the, the second yes. child. The high expectations, as you say, are, are, are very much invested in the first. Yes. And um, you stayed in the countryside, in your hometown. Was it then that at 19 you moved to Luxembourg? Not yet. I uh, got accepted to Hungarian University. Okay. I was studying um tourism and and catering so actually according to my diploma i'm an economist um so i started my year first year in the university and uh it was nice i mean i was ready obviously in according to my age to, to be separated from family to, to go away from home 
And somehow it was always my dream to, to just be be a little go on my own path and on my own way and not to not to stay not because I have had, had any issues with my parents but not to stay uh, in, in in my hometown or even not in Hungary so I just finished my exams when I uh, when I was around 19 and back then I had a boyfriend who lived uh, who just started to live in Luxembourg he got a job and he was hesitating to take it because uh, we were going out, you know, and what will happen in this long distance relationship and can we manage it? So he started the job and I said, I will come to see you and then you will, we will travel back and forth. So I visited him and during the, this visit, I had an accident while uh, flying to Luxembourg. This did not appear immediately. I mean, two weeks after the travel, I found myself in a hospital with a deep thrombosis and lungs emboli. Okay, so thrombosis and embolism that caused from the flight. Indeed. And back then we did not know that I had an inclination to, thrombose, to thrombosis. I never taken any flight before, so I couldn't compare. I didn't have that experience. So two weeks after the flight, you ended up in hospital. And what happened then? Well, my, my condition was really critical. So um, I had barely no blood circulation in my left leg where the thrombos uh, started. And I already had blood in my lungs close to my heart. And I clearly remember the moment when three professors were discussing, discussing in, in, in front of my, my bed. They didn't know if they operate me and then the risk with the operation, the oxygen could, could just rise to the lungs and push the, we call this thrombush, the blood in your lung close to the heart and my heart would have stopped. But if they do not operate me, then I might lose my leg because of the lack of the circulation. So they didn't know what to do, but luckily they have chosen the best treatment, which was a long heparin treatment. So they said, this is a young buddy young woman, we have hope, we hope that this, this is going to work for her. So they actually kept me in the bed for weeks. I couldn't move. And they tried to clean my, my blood circulation with this. And they took blood uh, tests every three hours. So my body was kind of obliged to create the new blood cells in the, in the shortest delay possible. So... You're away from home, away from family. You've got this relatively new boyfriend. What kept you going at that time? Well, that was really, uh, really complicated for me. Uh, first of all, I did not have health, ins health insurance abroad. I knew that my parents couldn't afford themselves to, to come to see me. And then actually it was better not to see me. We, we talked on the phone. We, back then we, we just simply had phone calls. Uh, I didn't want them to see me in these conditions, especially because I, I knew that I was on the level when I wasn't ready to, to, to fight. I, I just, I got informed a couple of hours ago in the hospital what happened to me, how it's called, this sickness, and what will be the treatment and then side effects. And I was just trying to digest all the information. I don't even know what thrombosis is. So... The situation was hard, but luckily um, we managed it with the, with the help and support of my, my boyfriend back then. 
And uh, yes, it, it helped me also that my parents didn't come. Somehow in, from the beginning on, I felt that I was a kind of rescuer in the family. So now being the one who needs to be healed, I couldn't afford myself to, to let my parents see, my, see me in these conditions. So I, that was my first motivation. So I had to get on my, my feet, get back on my feet as soon as possible. For me, that was what made me stand up and then go on and then to, to try to heal the fastest possible, that I needed them to be okay. You needed them to be okay. And that gave you the motivation and resilience to get better. Yes, but it was not, not an easy step because um, that was, like I said, 19 years old. Jesus Christ. I mean, when you're 19, you, you feel so powerful that the whole world is just in front of your leg and, and no one can hurt you. Of course, when you're a child that you don't have this, you do not have fear. You try many things. That's how you get your scars. But when you're getting older, you, you realize that, okay, now I am... I am getting a little taste um, step by step where my, my position in the world is. And when you, when you ask yourself why it happened to me and so on, which by the way, doesn't help, but yeah. everyone is asking back in the, in, the, in the situation, like why it's happening to me, it doesn't matter, it happened. So focus on now, it happened. So how will you get out of the situation? That was the moment when I realized that I was not immortal. Brilliant. You realize that you are not immortal. So now I need to find a way how to get better. And that problem cannot be solved by the family or friends. You are the only person who can manage that. And you need, you need a lot of strength to do so. Yeah. So moving away then from the, from the accident, you recovered. Um, what, what happened then? Where did you start to uh, work, in fact? Because you, you were in debt, uh, you got to physically recover. What happened then? Well, after the accident, uh, it was obvious that I couldn't go back to the university, the Hungarian university I was studying back then. But luckily, my, my, um, my school back then just proposed the e-learning. E and I graduated via e-learning which means that I only went back home for, for the exams. So once, once it has finished, I started to look for a job in Luxembourg. And if you see Luxembourg now, that almost everyone speaks English nowadays, but back then, like 15 years ago, it was not the case. 15 years ago, if you didn't speak French, you couldn't get a job. So with my English and German language knowledge, it was quite complicated to find something or even just to start my not even my career path but just you know job starter so I got a job as a waitress in Vianden in one of those hotels where I worked just for a short five months later on I got a job in a cafe where I got to learn all the beauty of being a barista and I was hired as a restaurant manager and that's where actually my hospitality career has ended. And then I uh, got a job later on. And that was the point when I was, I was asking myself, is Luxembourg my real home? Is this really the place I need to be? So I was about to move back to, to Hungary at that time. So I packed my flat. 
And before that, I applied to one job, but just one. There's nothing to lose. I will be called for an interview or not, whether doesn't matter. I whether I stay or not. So actually, I felt so relaxed. I think the very first time in my life when I did not worry about the interview, and I was called to go in for an interview. And I remember that I I I kept uh, I kept packing when I got a phone call, which was weird because I got it at 9 p.m. And they just told me that I got the job, which was an administrative assistant job in a fiduciary. It's like, no way, that's okay. I have to stay in Luxembourg. So that was the the reason I stayed. And then from this uh, administrative career path, later on, I became an office manager. And from office manager, still in the same company, the same group, I am now the, I'm taking care of the sales and the PR, public, public relations of the company. What a change. Yeah, and and no surprise really that you ended up in a like a financial role because Luxembourg is known for financial roles. But I love the fact that you you didn't worry about the outcome. It's who knows who knows if uh, what's going to happen. You'll just apply for this, and you were packing up. Then you you got the job, and you've been in this role or in this company ever since. I can certainly hear this resilience and determination in you that nothing's going to stop you, actually. <laughs> That's what I hear. So you need this space to grow. And talk to me about the people around you now then, and how do you manage to grow? That's good that you mentioned the space to grow because... Uh... The space I didn't have was more and less the reasons that I got divorced. We ended up as a couple. We got married and I was 20 years old. I was still a child, I believe. Still, I felt weird that we are living in the same household. I am not earning money. And for me, it was a disaster. And I needed to feel good. I am, I'm not calling myself like a feminist, but, but I found it very important to, to be independent. That was always my, my dream to, to, to not to depend on someone else, but to create life by myself. And after sharing, that's even better. Between 20 and 25, I, I believe my personality has been terminated or created. Or uh, During that time, I realized that, uh, okay, I have to be a good wife. I have to take care of the household. I have to earn money, even though I'm still a student, uh, whatever. So I graduated. I started to work. And then that work was not something that satisfied me. So I wanted to go further, to develop, to get a better job, to earn more money, to be more supportive at home. But then it caused also a side effect, and I was less at home. So I couldn't take care of the household 100%. But I thought marriage should work where you do things equally, where, where you, you split the, the work at home, and talking about like cleaning, cooking and stuff. So when I realized that I was not good because I was too much time, spent too much time at home, didn't earn money. And then when I earned money and I did spend a lot of time home, that was a problem too. So I said, I can't do that. I am, I've been focusing on, on being a good person and focusing on your happiness. And I forget who I, how I was during that time. So I needed space to grow. And then I said, I, I, I can do this. I need to, to go, go and live in another apartment. He was not agree with so we decided to get divorced. 
before we got divorced, I, I was hesitating what to do, but, but I realized that it was a kind of threat to my, my ex-husband that I am growing. Then I felt it very disappointing. I thought that that partner was there to, to support my life and to, to be happy about my, my success. Because if I look at my, my past, I started as a waitress and now I'm working as a salesperson in a big company. So I am proud of myself, especially because I'm a foreigner and especially because I started everything without language knowledge. And even nowadays, I find, find it very important to, to focus on yourself to spend time with yourself and give yourself space to grow, even if you are in a relationship, because that's the most important. I believe that's the key, how a happy and long-term relationship is able to, to work. This is really, really sad when, when you are a young, single woman. And then when you realize that some people might be intimidated by your success or just by being independent, I'm sat thinking that I didn't know how much we had in common, <laughs> but certainly uh, as you were just talking on all your views, I was thinking, oh, I, I totally support that. Particularly, you said earlier on, we have to create our own life first. We have to create it by ourselves, and then it's even better we can share it. But, but we do have to develop ourselves and know who we are, I think. Um, yeah. Be, be this whole person so that's that's wonderful thank you so much for really opening up there about your thoughts of what it's like to be a woman and a modern woman let's go to the takeaways then because people have been following your story i think they'll understand where these takeaways came from so uh, what's number one that you learned along the way the first one, what we talked about at the beginning, indeed, that I am not immortal. And uh, when, when, I, when I realized that, okay, I could have died, and actually, I could have died almost like three times in the past 10 years, I stopped just looking at that, oh, I almost died, why it's happening to me. And instead of this way of thinking, I just looked at myself, and then I said, yes, but you didn't die. You could have died, but you're still here. That's what I believe um, helped me, and not to mention that when you are in, in, uh, in uh, critical conditions or when you have for years and years uh, health issues, you will adapt because you are simply a human who is adapting to the situations. I said back then, I was joking about that, that Darwin would be very proud of me because actually I, I might not be the strongest one, but I am the one who's adapting to the changes. Beautiful. Oh, wow. So I am proud of my basic survival instinct. Yeah. Then the other takeaway, uh, family and friends, the support, but... If you are not happy with yourself, you do not work on yourself. It doesn't matter how supportive family you have behind. Um, I know that I'm going to live a life with myself till the end. So I believe I have to focus on that relationship after all and to, to know who I am. We were just talking about my thrombosis, but afterwards I had many other uh, 
dark moments and uh, other other things to mourn and to, to survive. And even when I really fell down and I couldn't imagine to stand up and, and go on in my life again, to feel joy, happiness again. One thing helped me to do the, to make the first step. The thing is when I realized that my story is a sad story, but there are worse stories. You cannot ask happiness from someone else. You are the responsible for your happiness. Only you, not the others. So um, that, that was the, the other topic. So what's your final takeaway then for today? Well, um, I believe that's a nice, nice message maybe for the others when I say that even though when you are in your darkest moments and when you think that nothing, that life cannot be uh, joyful and, and beautiful anymore and when you, when you feel that things knock you down, there is a getaway. There is always a getaway. And this getaway is just hidden inside of you. You have the key for this. If you want to open the, the, the gate to this getaway, you just need to trust yourself. You need to know yourself. And for that, please spend time with yourself. I could have given up many times, but I said that, no, no, I can't do that because, because I love living. I love life. I am in love with life. Even, even after moments when really I said that, I, I don't want to move on anymore. I'm just like here right now, just, just please stop it and then stop my, my pain. I realized that I'm still here because I, because I love my life. After all the bad experiences, I still find that I have an extraordinary life. I think we need to end on that note. Such yeah. a positive note. Okay. I love life and I have an extraordinary life. Thank you very much, Orsalia, for coming on the Leadership Woman podcast today. Thank you too, Gilles. It was a pleasure.